You're listening to the Jefferson Exchange. I'm Angela Decker. Thanks for joining us today. We'll start the JX with a look at the top stories JPR reporters have been covering this week, including an investigation at a Medford hospital and a court case from Grants Pass potentially going all the way to the Supreme Court. Here's JPR News Director Eric Newman and the slightly bigger JPR News team. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Um, so this is the first debrief for 2024. Yay. Very exciting. Um, we've been off for uh, a little while for the holidays. Um, so we have a few big stories to talk about um, going into January. First off, some uh, news here in the JPR newsroom. We have a new reporter, Justin Higginbottom, comes to JPR from South Asia, where he was uh, most recently reporting in Burma. Wow. This is his first week at JPR. Welcome, Justin. Thank you so much. Um, what are you most excited about, about working here at JPR and stories to cover? Well, yeah, it's, it's very different than, than Burma, where I'm coming from. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's an extremely fascinating region. I've, I've admired this region from afar for, for quite a while. Um, I'm usually interested in rural stories, kind of stories of uh, issues or, or people that don't maybe necessarily always uh, get their stories covered, uh, compelling personal stories, strange and fun subculture things. So Lots of that um, here. Yeah, so feel free to reach out to me if you have any ideas, please, actually. Awesome. <laughs> well, we're excited to have you. Um, so we're going to just start uh, with a story that Justin, you and Roman have been working on this week. Um, it's a big story here in the Rogue Valley. Um, it's uh, some breaking news about an investigation into suspected drug theft that took place at Asante Rogue Regional Medical Center in Medford that may have led to the death of patients at the hospital. Um, Roman, uh, what do we know? What are the allegations so far at this point? Yeah, so th- first, um, you know, first reported by the Rogue Valley Times and KOBI TV, um, there's sort of been some allegations that have not been fully confirmed that um, a nurse who no longer works at the hospital there um, was taking this opioid painkiller known as fentanyl from patients' IV bags and replacing it with tap water. Um, And that led to infections from bacteria in the water. Now, you're, you're thinking, oh my gosh, is my tap water safe? But like tap water is usually fine to drink and it's normally fine for most people because you're stomach acid neutralizes stuff, but if you're injecting it into someone's bloodstream or you're someone who is immunocompromised, then it might not be as safe. And so that's probably why it led to these infections and um, potentially led to an unknown number of deaths. Um, You know, we don't know necessarily how many infections this led to or how many deaths it caused. Um, We haven't really gotten a lot of like official information from sources on this stuff. the Rogue Valley Times, they talked to a couple of family members who have gotten calls from Asante that their family member's death was related to this incident. Um, and so we know of a couple of different patients, but we don't know the full extent of how many people. And it seems to kind of have been happening in late 2022 and early 2023. Hmm. Okay. Um, right. And so, again, very little official confirmation of this information. Um, Justin, what have officials said about what's going on? Well, not a whole lot. The, the Medford Police Department is investigating, but they've only released kind of a bare bones statement. Um, they haven't said the number of patients who could have been, become sick or the time frame exactly that they're looking at. Um, the, fe- the feds, the DA and FBI are aware of the case, but they've also haven't said they're actually helping with the investigation yet. 
And Asante, the hospital is also quiet. Um, they say they're cooperating with the investigation. Um, staff have reportedly been told to stay quiet on the issue, understandably. And they've told police that they've identified all patients who could have been impacted um, and are still in the process, I think, of reaching out to them and their family members. I mean, the Medford Police Department hasn't even said the number of patients who have become sick. They haven't even said patients got sick. They have, I think, literally said patients might have experienced adverse care or something. So right. we don't even say they've gotten sick or died. They literally are very, you know, very, like, vague about what's happened here. Right. So we're hearing two very different things from two different sides, mm-hmm. yeah. basically, at this point. So what do we know about whether Asante was aware of any potential infections earlier in the year? Yeah, because obviously this stuff happened early twenty or late 2022, early 2023. So it's been almost a year since this stuff has happened. And it seems, according to some you know research and looking at what Asante's talked about, they kind of might have known something was happening, but didn't know necessarily what was causing it. So earlier on, um, earlier last year, they were reporting an increase in what's known as CLABSEs on their internal news site. And these are known as central line associated bloodstream infections. So these are essentially germs or bacteria that get into someone's central line. And that's like um, this sort of semi-permanent IV someone will get that's connected to like a large vein that they can use to give medications or fluids or draw blood or something so they don't have to like keep poking you with needles. Um, It's like an IV essentially. So, you know, if germs get in there, that's what is known as these CLABSEs. And in March of 2023, the hospital reported a winter spike in CLABSEs earlier that year. So um, when I was counting what Asante had reported on their internal news site, there were at least 19 infections of reported between September of 2022 and June of 2023. And that's a lot more than in the past. You know, looking at previous years, previous Oregon Health Authority data, there were less than seven infections a year from 2016 to 2021. There are also rumors about water quality issues that maybe the water was infected or something. But, you know, the hospital confirmed that their water was not infected with something more dangerous than what's normally in tap water. The tap water is the same as the Medford water supply, so other people would have been getting sick. And it seems like the problem got better in the spring. Um, We don't necessarily know or have any information on when this nurse was working there, but, you know, we can kind of see the spike happening and then kind of go away. Okay. Well, we'll continue to follow this story. Thanks to both of you for your reporting Um, as we kind of nail down more information. Um, There's obviously been very little information about this so far. Um, JPR has been reaching out to individuals who may have been affected. Uh, We do have a tip line on our website. If uh, anyone has information they would be interested in sharing with us, um, that's on our homepage, ijpr.org. Jane, we're going to turn to you next. Um, You recently published a feature about a court case involving homelessness in Grant's past that could potentially go all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. Tell us about this case. Yeah, so it's been this ongoing legal battle, basically. The original complaint was filed back in 2018 uh, by a woman who was homeless, and she basically was saying that Grants Pass is trying to run homeless people out of town by making it impossible for them to be there. So they... um, 
had ticketing and prosecution for people who were camping or sleeping on the streets. And there's a lot of legal precedent that you can't make it a crime to be something. You can make it a crime to possess drugs or sell drugs. You can't make it a crime to be a drug addict. And so their argument was you're effectively criminalizing the status of being homeless, prosecuting them for being on the streets, and there's nowhere else for them to go. There aren't shelters, enough shelters. I'll get into that uh, in Grants Pass. So the district court in Medford ruled that Grants Pass's ordinances regulating homelessness were unconstitutional. They're considered cruel and unusual punishment under the Eighth Amendment, according to the court. Um, And there is some precedent from a case out of Boise from 2018 that you can't punish homeless people for sleeping on public property when they can't get shelter. So the city has appealed that. It's basically going all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court, and we're now waiting to see if they will take the case. Um, Obviously, could have really big impacts on how cities can regulate homelessness. It's a huge problem, especially on the West Coast. Um, And the Supreme Court justices are meeting today in private conference to discuss some potential cases and vote on petitions for review. So we'll have to see what they decide. Um, But I did speak with a professor at the University of Oregon School of Law, and he thinks that it's likely the court will take the case. One of the factors that they're supposed to consider is the national importance of an issue. And that has been laid out for them pretty clearly. Uh, If I had to bet money, I would say that this case will probably be be heard. So that's Garrett Epps at the University of Oregon School of Law. So we'll just have to see what the Supreme Court decides. So you mentioned earlier uh, the number of shelter options is kind of a big factor in this case, in this question. What are the shelter options in Grants Pass for people who are homeless? That's basically the, the big problem is that there aren't any low barrier shelter options in the city. They don't even have an emergency warming shelter this year. So there are a lot of people camping in tents or in their cars. Um, to be clear, there are some shelter options. There's one for survivors of domestic violence, sexual assault, and trafficking for 13 people. There's one for 18 to 21 year olds for four people. There's a tiny home community for 17 people. But there is an estimated 1,200 homeless people wow. in Grants Pass. So even if they were all full, that's not enough beds. And they're not low barrier, so they're harder for people to access. They all have rules, regulations, requirements. Um, the big one is the Grants Pass Gospel Rescue Mission, which is run by a Christian nonprofit. Um, and they've been criticized because they have 29 rules that residents have to follow while they stay there. So. No drugs and alcohol. You have to dress and behave according to your birth gender. You have to attend religious services. You have to um, pay for food if you stay for more than 30 days. So all these things um, that you have to do to stay there. Their argument is they're trying not just to get people off the streets, but they're trying to make people independent, um, which requires all these rules. Um, And to be clear, that works really well for some people. I talked to some people at the their women's shelter, and they say the mission has changed their lives, and it worked really well for them. But Obviously, it doesn't work well for everybody, and the problem is there's really no other option for a shelter in Grants Pass. They're the couple that I mentioned, but if you don't follow the rules or meet the eligibility requirements, then you're kind of out of luck. And so then you're camping on public property, sleeping on the sidewalk or in the parks, getting ticketed, getting fined, which is how we've ended up in this sort of legal battle. (laughs) Gotcha. Okay. So – Right. So this is sort of a microcosm of an issue that we're seeing all over the country and particularly in the West Coast states right now. Um, So it's not always clear why this issue of homelessness is such a big and persistent problem uh, right now. So at least in your reporting and in Grants Pass, what's behind it? What else did you find in your reporting? It's really complicated, as you might expect. Um, I talked a lot about the causes of the problem and talked to a bunch of people about that. 
the plaintiffs in the case have argued sort of broadly that cities across the West Coast for a long time have not been investing in shelter capacity or housing or mental health services or addiction treatment. Um, and they say that the cities have just been basically trying to push unhoused people out of certain places, you know, make it so miserable there that they move on down the road and they go someplace else um, and prosecute them like they've been doing in Grants Pass. Um, I also talked to the Grants Pass mayor, Sarah Bristol, who was saying that the city council has not always had a lot of support to really, the city councilors themselves have not always wanted to do something about this problem. They've not had, had broad support on the council. There's also just not enough housing in Grants Pass. There's mm -hmm. been a lot of people moving there. There's not enough housing built, uh, especially workforce housing. And so the housing is all really expensive and then people get priced out of the market. Um, Grants Pass is also considered rent burdened. So nearly a third of the tenants there spend over half of their incomes on rent, which mm -hmm. is huge. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's the the stuff that you know we're dealing with a lot everywhere, opioid epidemic, mental health services, all of these things are sort of compounded. And so it's obviously not only a problem in Grants Pass, but it is um, where this this court case is kind of centered, and there are a lot of unhoused people there. Okay, um, so this case has been slowly working its way through the courts. It's been in process for a couple of years now, mm -hmm. um, but there is the potential that something could change. So, what what could happen next? We'll have to see what the Supreme Court decides, and they can kind of do whatever they want. Um, in the meantime, a couple things have happened that I think are really interesting. Number one is that Oregon passed a law in 2021 saying that the rules regulating where homeless people can sleep on public property have to be objectively reasonable whatever that means. <laughs> and they can dictate where, when, and how people can camp. So that means that no matter what the Supreme Court decides, Grants Pass is still going to have to follow this new state law and be objectively reasonable in terms of where people are allowed to camp. The city is also under a court injunction from 2020, which means that the city can't enforce its camping ordinances in any of the city parks except one. So now people can camp in the city parks in the interim without those ordinances being enforced. So we're kind of at this standstill where there's a lack of shelter options in Grants Pass. There's no low barrier shelter options. The city feels like it can't police its parks due to this injunction. They feel like they can't do anything about it. We're all kind of waiting on the Supreme Court. Um, people are obviously concerned. I talked to one woman who's concerned about the tents she sees in the park. She says she's seen drug deals and had trespassers on her property. So there's a lot of concern in the city. Um, and so we're kind of just waiting on what the Supreme Court will will do. Um, they're going to send out a list on Monday of the petitions they considered. Monday. Okay. Um, but I'm not quite sure when the final decision will be made of whether or not they're going to hear the case. And then if they do decide to hear the case, they have to go through the whole legal process of actually hearing the case. Um, if they choose not to take the case, it would be sent back to the district court in Medford, and we're kind of back at the beginning. And then if the court does take the case, there are a lot of potential outcomes. They can basically do, like I said, whatever they want. They're the Supreme Court. Um, but in the meantime, it just seems like we're kind of in this, this waiting game. It's been over five years since the original lawsuit was filed, and there are still hundreds of people in Grants Pass that don't have shelter. So like the mayor said, no matter how the Supreme Court rules, they're going to need some shelter for these people. Okay. Thanks, everybody, for uh, exploring and explaining <laughs> these complicated stories. Uh, that's going to do it for the debrief this week. Thanks for listening. You can reach the newsroom with comments about our coverage and suggestions for things that we should cover in the future through our news tip line, which is on our website at ijpr.org. You can find this program and more on our website at jeffexchange.org or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and all the other platforms. 